You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, we are talking about training for menopause. When I was in my late 30s, I knew menopause and perimenopause were around the corner and I was not messing around. I knew the most critical aspects, the two most important things that I had to get dialed in by at least my early to mid 40s was going to be my metabolic health and my muscle mass. That's when I started taking strength training very seriously. That's when I started getting my labs ran regularly to make sure that my metabolic health was dialed in. Today, I've brought on Catherine Staffieri. She's a registered dietitian and nutrition manager at NutriSense. NutriSense is the CGM program that I'm such a huge fan of, and I think everybody should give a try. Catherine and I are on the same tip. We believe in strength training. We believe in metabolic health. We believe in all the things. And we're going to share with you why it's so critical that you take this seriously and you start training for perimenopause and menopause now. Let's jump in. Catherine Staffieri, welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. I'm so excited to have you here. You are a registered dietitian and a nutritional manager with NutriSense, who is the sponsor of the podcast this month. And so we're going to talk about something that I think is so exciting, middle-aged, perimenopause, and metabolic health, and how that all plays together. So would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Oh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Really excited to be here. I love talking about all things uh, glucose management, but in particular, I love it when it um, applies to things um, with perimenopause and women going through that wonderful transition in our lives. We have to feel positive about it. It's it's an exciting time and it doesn't have to be a terrible time. It can be a healthy, wonderful time. I think of it often when I get I get trashed on on social media and younger women will say, you're old. And I'm like, well, you should be so fortunate. It, this is an honor to get to this age. And I have looked forward to it for years. I Once I hit 40, I was like, game on. I was my fittest, healthiest, and hottest at 40. And yes, it's declined a little, but I feel so strong and empowered having, you know, I've been preparing since I was about 40, I really started training for menopause because in my family, menopause was a terrible transition for every woman. And prior to my mother, you know, hysterectomies were the norm. My mom battled not getting one. I still, as a doctor, I do not understand why those were ever performed in the first place. But it, you know, that was a plight of many of my patients who'd gone through it in their 40s. And I quickly, after seeing lots and lots of middle-aged patients and patients walking into middle age, I quickly realized as a younger doctor, like, I better train for this shit. (laughs) This is not a joke. I, I totally agree. And I don't think people were talking about it until recently. I am so grateful that I'm going into this. I'm 43 right now. Like I'm going into this and all my friends are that are a little bit older. Like we're going into it empowered. There are people out there talking about it. There's awesome podcasts like this. There are articles, there are books written. Um, you know, it's, it's great to really give women tools to say, Hey, you can handle this. It's going to be great. It's not your mother's menopause. <laughs> and it's not like back when we were kids watching TV, women our age were depicted as over the hill, old, whatever. And I'm like, I feel hotter and stronger and more empowered and, and like centered in my being than ever. And it's a real tragedy when I see it's like such a flux because 
This is the time in our lives when our estrogen's starting to wane and it's actually our testosterone is not necessarily going up. It may be waning too, but that lowering of estrogen allows the testosterone to show itself a little bit more. And so we become more empowered. We become a little bit more bold. Um, we stop taking so much shit <laughs> from the world. We stop giving so much of a fuck and it, it's such an incredible time. And then. Sadly, so many women have not prepared for this at all, and they go crashing into it like a wall at warp speed, and everything just falls apart all at once. And I feel so bad for them. And you and I were talking offline when we were preparing for this, you know, like, what do you say to the 50-year-old woman or the woman who's over 50 who's really trying to pull it back? Well, that's still a great goal and it's still a noble goal and we still want to do everything in our power to get ourselves as healthy as possible where we're at, it gets much harder once ladies have passed a threshold. Like there's this imaginary line that it's it can be, and I don't know where that line is. It's different for everyone depending on their life up until that point, but in their metabolic health being the biggest player in my opinion, because it could be 45, it could be 55. I saw a woman the other day that was younger than me and she looks at least 10 years older. And I was like, oh no, that's a much harder rain to pull in, you know? So that's what I want to talk about today. It's like how... I can't save them all, but I definitely want to talk about training for menopause. Like let's really preparing in all ways for what's coming so that it can be just a nice little bump in the road and not this like smashing into a brick wall. I totally agree, right? It's preventative. It's Or I shouldn't even say prevent. You can't prevent menopause, right? It's going to happen. It happens to everyone. Everyone goes through puberty. Every, you know, all women are going to go through menopause. Um, sometimes medically induced, maybe before you're ready for it. Uh, but generally, if it's a, if it's that natural progression, um, abs- you can set yourself up for success 100%. You can't necessarily predict what it's going to be like, but you can prepare yourself, like you said, so it's not hitting a brick wall so that you can, you can handle whatever's coming your way, right? So you don't sort of crumple under whatever happens. Um, and a lot of it does take, you know, that progression, they say it can take about 10 years to even transition into menopause. And then some women even experience those symptoms well after actually having their last menstrual period. Um, so it can really span a long time for some women and making sure that they're not miserable and suffering through a lot of these symptoms uh, is is incredible. It's life-changing for them because a lot of women, I think, just sort of think, oh, I'm supposed to be up at night in sweats. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to have this brain fog all day long. I'm supposed to be gaining a ton of weight. You know, that's just what happens. And it's not, it doesn't have to happen. I agree. I, two things that I thought of, uh, one is, you know, the old adage, whatever her mother looks like is what she's probably going to look like. I don't agree with that. I think that watching my mother deal with horrendous metabolic dysfunction, she basically was diagnosed with syndrome X. Do you remember that term? That was like way back when they finally realized that diabetes was a progression and not just a location, you know, it wasn't like a destination. <laughs> like you, you eased your way into it for a decade and it was syndrome X. It's now called metabolic syndrome, but. I actually, I mean, if you look at the data, what, 2018, a study came out last year showing data from 2018 showing that only 96% of adults were metabolically, cardiometabolically sound. I'm sure that has just turned into a complete disaster since COVID and lockdown. So uh, I I saw a post yesterday, somebody said, you know, the 1% are the people who are fit and healthy. And I'm like, that's true. It's probably less than 1% of people are not U.S. adults are not dealing with some kind of like metabolic dysfunction. It's on a spectrum, right? And my audience hears me talk about this 
literally every episode. So if you guys don't know what that is, go listen to all the other <laughs> episodes. But I was talking to my husband this morning and we brought up that concept of like what your mom looks like is what you're probably going to look like. And most of our moms sort of fell apart, right? In their forties. And so that you just assume, well, that's what, what's going to happen. And my patient said that often. And then the second piece was I was experiencing some cognitive dysfunction and it definitely ramped up with the stress of lockdowns and then COVID hit me. And then it was, I had a lot of brain fog and we know from the data that COVID causes brain damage period. And it's, it can be long-term. Um, and so I was in that, I quit drinking alcohol because of it. Cause I was like, I got to get my brain back. I'm somebody who's always prided myself and being really just a smarty pants. And I don't mean that arrogantly, but like I'm a, I was a smart kid. I was a smart young adult. I was always in the gifted and talented programs. I breezed through medical school. Like I'm a smart kid and my smarts were going and I was noticing it in my podcast and even listening to my podcast later and listening to videos later, I was losing my words. I couldn't find them. And what I was saying to my husband this morning was, I think a lot of women and men to accept that because maybe they're not ever, they've never been held to a high caliber of cognition or a high caliber of health or of fitness. And so the decline isn't as noticeable to them. And it, like, that was just this concept that I hadn't even thought about until this morning. I was like, these, some of these women that you see, like my mother and my uh, mother-in-law, it's like they're hitting that age where dementia's potentially a real issue and it's starting to happen a little bit. It's like, if they're not, it's not, you know, there's no amount of Sudoku or crossword puzzles that's going to get you out of this. Exercise is the true brain fertilizer, period. That's not negotiable in my opinion, but I just don't think a lot of people are even realizing it's happening to them because they've never held themselves or been held to a high standard of cognition, health, fitness, et cetera. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, it's it's so interesting that you bring up the uh, cognition and a lot of women. I mean, you look at women that are in the dementia units, it's a lot of women, right? It's a lot of women in these dementia units. Um, it's a lot of women because at, as that estrogen declines, it impacts how your brain works, right? I mean, and estrogen helps facilitate the glucose into your brain, right? Our brains function on glucose, right? And so when we don't have that estrogen available, we're not getting everything that we need in our brain. Sure, we can switch over to ketones and we can talk about that another time. But in that sense of as you're aging, your estrogen is lowering and therefore all that's happening in your body absolutely impacts your brain and firing on all levels. So I think it's super important to then find those ways to be metabolically healthy so that you aren't having that inflammation, so that you are having appropriate brain health. Absolutely. You can only do so many crossword puzzles, but it's really about your exercise. It's about your sleep. It's about your stress. It's about your glucose control, right? Yes. And those all go haywire as that estrogen is waning. And and that estrogen's waning in large part, I believe, I'm a big fan of progesterone. Uh, I'm a big fan of progesterone when, well, let's just put it this way. Like every woman I ever tested ever in the history of my practice never had adequate progesterone. Most of them were low. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a symptom of modern living in many cases, but it's also a huge symptom of metabolic dysfunction. And then the estrogen that you do have available to you doesn't work as well if your progesterone's low. And then there's these xenoestrogens and the toxins in the environment. And then the xenoestrogens are binding up the thyroid receptor, which is causing 
more severe cognition issues. And it's just this big, messy bag. And in my opinion, it starts at its root with getting your metabolic health dialed in. Like none of the other stuff, we can apply all the creams and hormones and take all the pills, but none of that's going to work for very long or very well if your metabolic health isn't, you know, just dialed in. Normally, if you're in a state of constant inflammation, I mean, if unfortunately you, you get a virus, you know, something like that exogenous into your body, of course, but you know, if you, if you baseline level or at a high level of inflammation, it's only going to get worse, right? You're, it's only going to compound everything else that's going on with your hormones. Right. So you work with Nutrisense and I know you're looking at people's lat or their readings all day, I should say, of what that monitor is showing you. What are you seeing in this age group of females? You know, it's so interesting. We get a lot of different people coming to NutriSense. I know you've talked to my colleague, Carly, recently. Um, You know, we get people coming to us in all various states of health or not in optimal health, and they want to improve their health. So we get women that are younger in age that are uh, struggling to conceive. Uh, perhaps they have a PCOS um, diagnosis recently. We have women that say, I've always had irregular cycles. We have women that um, are going through the menopause transition and we have postmenopausal women, right? We get them in all shades and colors. Uh, and the constant thing for all women is stress. They are stressed out. Their levels of stress are through the roof. They can be, you know, 75, 60, pick a decade. Uh, and they're, they're really struggling with something. But when it comes to how that's showing up in their glucose, absolutely. And, you know, maybe they're taking, they've been prescribed metformin. Perhaps they've been, they're taking their nighttime progesterone or progestins to, to help them sleep at night. So we can see short term how their body is impacted by, say, taking their metformin um, or the progesterone at night. And then we can see long-term how their baseline levels are looking. That's that chronic stress, that chronic inflammation and how they're doing. And it's generally high. What do you see when they take the progesterone at night? Again, it depends on what they're eating, what time they're <laughs> eating, you know, so so I can't say it's, you know, so, sometimes we see that, that their levels are going to go down at night if it's going to help them sleep. Mm-hmm. But if their sleep is dysregulated, sometimes we're seeing it go up and are they having alcohol? Are they, you know, all, and alcohol can really mess with uh, your ability to process estrogen to clear the estrogens out. Because that's a big thing when you're going through menopause. Sometimes you have very high estrogen. Sometimes you have uh, lower. It just sort of depends on where you are in that bumpy path. Um, and if you're not clearing it out regularly, it can lead to the estrogen dominance and everything going around. And you mentioned alcohol. And our body will process alcohol first and foremost. Yeah. So you can get that buildup of not only glucose, but also all the other, you know, all your hormones that your body doesn't have time to process until, you know, three in the morning. Oh, it's a disaster. I'm really good friends with Carrie Jones, Dr. Carrie Jones. She's like the hormone guru online. And she, uh, I'd be texting her. I was texting her before I gave up alcohol. Perimenopause was hitting me and it wasn't fun. And it was only showing itself really just days before my period. And I was getting all, all sorts of different symptoms, like whether it was severe breast pain or severe bloating, or I mean, it was like, what is happening? This was, I, I had, 
generally, I mean, I was a really sickly teenager and young adult, but then I got my shit together and I have enjoyed really good cycles since. And so it was really like the wheels were falling off the car. And every time I text her, she'd always write back the same thing. It's the wine, Tina. And she'd put a little wine emoji. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. <laughs> no joke. And I, I remember having patients when I was in my 30s, my middle-aged patients would come in and be like, I can't drink red wine anymore. It's wrecking my sleep. I wake up sweating. I feel terrible. And I'm like, oh, that sucks to be you. And then there I was <laughs> in the middle of it, like, oh shit, this is terrible. So I get it now. But anyway, um, so the progesterone piece, I, I just asked because progesterone, not progestins, and you know this, I'm just repeating it for the audience, but progesterone, natural progesterone is a neurohormone and it is so calming to the brain and we need it to calm the brain. And then, so then taking it at night can be quite the sleep inducer, right? Like you can, if you give somebody enough progesterone, you can knock them out as a sedative almost. And then again, having enough progesterone in the system helps the estrogens we do have work better. And so a lot of us will more holistically push the estrogen to work by providing progesterone, which is such a safe hormone. And that's such a lovely combination. And it's something I always share with my patients or when I was in practice, because that also downregulates pain, you know, and the whole thing gets better. But um, blood sugar regulation at the core of this I want to say it's chicken and egg, which it kind of is, depending on what your hormones are doing. But truly, it's the one factor you have the most control over that you can monitor with an awesome, you know, glucose monitor. You can track it in real time, which is so cool. And I think so much better than just assuming or going to have labs ran once in a while, like having real time data. And I've said this before, I, I have an aura ring on. I've tried every gizmo. I get everything sent to me for free for the most part at this point. I have tried every, my house is like a giant biohacking. Like it's crazy. My husband's like, do we need another house? Like we, <laughs> cause you take it over <laughs> with the red lights and the, <laughs> We're going to live forever. It's a good thing. We're going to live forever. <laughs> but that monitor and then the app that goes with it from NutriSense and then having access to the registered dietitians in real time is hands down the best biohacking device I have found because I, you guys are so smart. You guys get it. You're not, I mean, I, when I think of registered dietitians up until recently, it was like that old school calories in, calories out, like, you know, kill yourself with carbohydrates nonsense. But you guys all seem to be on the tip of what's true in nutrition and what's real and right. And it's so cool because my graph will be wonky and then I can just talk to somebody through the app and be like, hey, what's up? What, you know, what are you seeing? And then you guys know how to analyze that data better than I do. And I get some really great answers and stuff that just like, you know, and it's like obvious. And as a doctor, I should know, and I do know, but I don't always want to admit because it's me. It's like my own reading. And I'm like, no, it couldn't have been the alcohol or it couldn't have been that, you know, whatever carbohydrate load I just put in me with no protein. So anyway, that, that monitor has been so helpful and it has translated into me having a really nice transition. My, my perimenopause is almost non-existent and I, feel like I'm just sort of just like buzzing right into menopause. And I think it's going to be a really lovely, easy transition. My cycles are normal. I cycle with a full moon, which I'm so proud of. It took me years to get there. COVID knocked me off that for a minute, but I got back on and regular cycles, bleeding is normal. Like it's not crazy. And so I think it's just going to be a lovely transition. And I'm going to keep using that tool because that's the one thing that keeps you honest at the end of the day. 
I, I totally agree. I could not agree more. I also think our dietitians are amazing rock stars. So shout out to all my amazing colleagues that we we help out. We help people meet their goals every day. It's not about my goal. It's about your goal, right? And I'm just here to help you optimize your menopause transition or your PCOS or you know whatever's going on in your life right now. So that's really what I think our specialty is, is that you come to us with your goal and we are there to help you reach it. We're not going to tell you to take anything away way. We're not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. We're just there to help you be the best person that you can be. And I think a lot of women don't know that they deserve that necessarily. I think a lot of women think, oh, I just have to, I just have to suffer through this. I'll just go drinking with my friends and commiserate and you don't have to, right? And I think the best thing about the CGM, like you said, is it's not a one moment in time. I got my labs done for my physical or my gynecologist wanted me to get labs drawn, something like that. Or I just know what my triglyceride level is. Okay. Kind of helpful. This is fantastic. You can see how you're doing over the course of a month. If you sign up for three months, you can see how you're doing over the course of three months, three of your cycles. We can see it, especially if you're having irregular cycles, we can really see like, oh, you're, you have really bad cravings right now, or you had a really heavy period. You know, what's going on? Do you need more iron? I mean, we are well versed in all of these things. We can help you feel better. Yeah, that's the ticket too, because, you know, Carrie Jones could tell me it was the wine all she wanted, but when I saw it on the monitor, and it was clear as day. And what it, what, whenever I would have alcohol at night, my blood sugar would plummet into oblivion, skyrocket back up at some crazy point at 1 a.m. And then I would look at my aura ring, which was telling me when I was waking up and it would totally coincide. And my heart rate variability would be in the toilet. My deep sleep would be in the toilet. And I remember one of, I forget who I was talking to on your team, but they were my case manager or whatever. And they said, they said, well, what did you have last night before you went to bed? You didn't put it in the the app. And I said, oh, I had like two glasses of red wine. And they're like, do you do that regularly? <laughs> I said, yes. And at the time I did. And they were like, it might be that. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I can now see it objectively. I have, you know, all this data to show me exactly what I already know, which is nice. It's It's nice to have objective data that matches up with your symptom picture because then you have to just be honest with yourself and like call it what it is. In all honesty, I think I think that's what it is. And the people that get the most out of our program, the women that get the most out of our program, they're ready to be honest with themselves. I like to compare the CGM and our app and all the data and everything we have it's like a little window inside your body. You can see what's happening inside your body in real time based on the exercise that you're doing. Are you just like spinning on the elliptical for two hours a day and nothing is changing? Are you working out with heavy weights? Are you walking? Are you, do you have constant movement? Are you eating three meals a day? Are you deciding to fast? Where are you? This CGM can show you exactly where you are. And then maybe some things are working really well for you, but maybe you can make some adjustments to, to, to feel even better. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an all or nothing. It's just uh, getting real with yourself and seeing it for what it is and then adjusting accordingly. And it's, what's cool is you can see improvement very quickly. On labs, I truly don't see metabolism. And I'd love to hear what you think on this. On lab work, I do not see metabolic shifts concrete, like really concretely until 90 days. 
Like it's, it takes about 90 days for me to see all the metabolic markers shift into the good zone. We can test at 30 days. We can test at 60 days. People will see improvement if they're really being diligent. But 90 days is kind of the place where people are like, oh, I did it. I look at, I'm so proud of myself. Right. And, but with the CGM, you're getting readings in real time of like, oh, I stepped in a hole. <laughs> oh, that didn't really agree with me so well. I, uh, an example for me was I love pho. I love beef noodle soup. And man, that is not my friend. And not only does it completely jack up my blood sugar abruptly right after I eat it, but the rest of the day is a hot mess. And so just having that piece of knowledge was like, you know, mind blowing. And so it's these little things of like, maybe my husband's fine with it. He doesn't know because he won't wear the CGM, but (laughs) he doesn't want to know yet. He's not there yet. Um, So maybe for somebody else, that's a different story. Maybe 20 years ago, that would have been a different story for me, but where I'm at with my goals and my body and my age, like this is it. And it's just a really nice truth teller. So what do you see with someone who does a three month subscription to the CGM? Like how does, do things progressively get better, I would guess. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, it depends on how much you're willing to um, listen to some gentle suggestions from your friendly dietitian. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I think one of the markers that we look at the most is glycemic variability. And I don't know if you remember that from when you wore it, but that's really, that's the, those are the swings in your glucose, right? That's what we really love to look at in terms of trends. That doesn't matter what your baseline is. That's just showing how much you're swinging up and down and up and down. Do we want big high swings? No, we don't. I like to say we want gentle ocean waves, not giant tsunamis, because what happens at the end of that tsunami you feel like garbage, right? Yeah. <laughs> a tsunami crashes and you feel awful. A lot of women come to us with low energy. They are exhausted. They can't make it through the day without five snacks or 15 cups of coffee. And there's there, there's something dysregulated in their energy systems. We can see that in your CGM data. And that you can you can lower your glycemic variability in a couple of weeks, right? You can see how different choices that you're making, different timings of your meals, different macro components of your meal, all of these small choices that you can make can make a huge difference in how you feel on a day-to-day basis. So we can see those kinds of metrics change. Some of the harder ones that take a little bit longer to bring down are you know things like how you're feeling during different parts of your cycle. Sometimes that can take a little bit longer to work its way through. If you've had a lot of estrogen dominance or very, very high cortisol levels and things like that, that can take a while to, to sort of disregulate or, or you know, unregulate itself, uh, become more regular again. So we really find that some of those longer term baseline measures take a little bit longer to come down, but you can see differences within you know two to four weeks. Yes. And that is coinciding as well with their inflammation. And so that one of the pushbacks I get all the time online from people is like, well, it's going to take too long. It's going to take too long. And I'm like, no, this isn't black and white. This is a journey. It's not a destination. It's shades of gray. Like get your, get that, those energy slumps. Those are for me, go back, going back to the beef noodle soup, uh, you know, huge spike in blood sugar. And then of course my insulin, I have a healthy insulin response because I have a nice healthy pancreas because I've been watching this stuff for a long time, decades. And boom, insulin kicks in. I dropped into the gutter like way, way too low. And I'm showing the app to my friend in real time. And she's a naturopath. And she's like, well, how do you feel? And I'm like, I feel like complete garbage right now. And then I realized like, that's how I felt all through college, all through high school, all through 
all the time I was eating garbage and eating poorly, I, that's how I felt. And I was like, oh, this is hypoglycemia. Woo, I can see it. <laughs> and it feels terrible. So as that's being corrected, your inflammation levels are, are normalizing out and getting mediated. And those changes happen so quickly. And the impact is on your brain. It's on your hormones. It's on all the organ systems of your body. It's on your muscles. They handle your glucose better. Everything gets better. And that's the wins, right? It's not this destination of I have to lose 50 pounds and everything has to be perfect. It's like, no, enjoy the journey of learning to take care of your body. Totally. The weight, I I always feel like weight is like a sneaky benefit of wearing the CGM, right? I Not everyone's going to lose weight, but you're going to feel better no matter what. Knowing this data, making these small changes, you're going to feel better. And the sneaky little side effect can be weight loss, right? You're just feeling better. You have, you're not so exhausted. You can go and work out after dinner, or you can go take a walk around the block. Um, you know, take your dog for a walk. You can go out and do things that you weren't able to do. You're sleeping better. So now you're not skipping the gym in the morning. There are so many little things that start to add up that people start to feel better and they're taking more control of their health. If you followed me for any amount of time, you know that I'm constantly beating the drum on having optimal metabolic health, especially as we age, especially as we are walking into menopause and andropause. Hands down, my favorite biohacking device for this is the NutriSense Continuous Glucose Monitor Program. This program comes complete with an awesome app that shows you all the graphs, registered dietitians that are experts in helping you interpret that information, and they get how I suggest eating, like they get it. They're on the tip. There's a Facebook group for accountability and community and so much more. The NutriSense CGM program will help you make better lifestyle choices that may help you avoid chronic conditions down the line. 94% of Americans have busted metabolisms, guys. This is a problem. I've teamed up with NutriSense and they are generously giving listeners of the Dr. Tina show $30 off any subscription to any of their programs right now. Well, I highly suggest committing to three to six months of this. I myself do it quarterly. My metabolism is pretty dialed in. Even if you do it for a month, regardless, you get two monitors per month. They've got 14 days use on them. They're painless. They're easy to apply. You hardly know they're even there. Use the link in the show notes and use the coupon code Dr. Tina, D-R-T-Y-N-A to get $30 off your first subscription. I highly suggest you give this a try, especially if you're trying to make 2023 like I am the hottest and happiest year yet. So let's talk about exercise for a minute. I am a big fan of strength training, straight up. I think lifting weights is non-negotiable because I think you need your muscle mass at the end of the day more than ever as you age. It becomes even more non-negotiable, which seems to be when everybody starts dropping away from that being a goal. I'm like, no, we don't want you shuffling around demented when you're 75. Like, Keep the muscle mass on, please. And one of the things that I saw in clinical practice, because my whole practice was musculoskeletal medicine, and I always came from the angle, and it was regenerative injection therapies, and I always came from the angle that your joints are never, I'm never going to be able to heal your joints if your joints are melting because of your disrupted metabolism. So in my opinion, osteoarthritis is diabetes of the joint, period. And osteoporosis is diabetes of the bone and dementia is diabetes of the brain. And so it's, it's all stemming from the same root cause, which is metabolic health. That's why I'm so adamant about it in 
all across my platforms. But we also can't heal. We can't get into any kind of healing or regenerative mode if we are metabolically unsound because it's akin to constantly pouring lighter fluid on the fire. So folks don't address that, but then they go try to over-exercise it. So like you said, they'll jump on the spin bike and do something highly, highly metabolic when their body is in no condition to be doing that. Or they'll crossfit themselves into oblivion or they'll orange theory themselves into oblivion. I'm not a fan of any of that because I find most middle-aged women, especially as they head into menopause, that metabolic stuff can be, for myself included, the second I get too metabolic, I actually get fatter straight off the bat. The cortisol just pumps the belly fat on and I'm everything starts hurting. My sleep goes crazy. And I noticed it on my CGM. Like that was the big thing for me was like, oh my gosh, this is not serving me. So I'm a big fan of walking and lifting. <laughs> that's where I'm at. It's for me, that's good, whatever anyone wants to do. But most of the time I had to tell my patients to back away from the highly metabolic crazo exercise fads and like chill out, go for the lollygag walks. I'm not even walking fast. I'm just dinking around with my dog, like la la la, look at the flowers. And then I'm lifting the weights and I'm, you know, resting in between. Like it's pretty chill. What is your favorite and what are you seeing? You're probably seeing a lot more monitors than I am. So what's what's really happening? Totally. I, I love the, I like the walking and the lifting. I think, you know, we like to go back to something like, you know, what, what would, you, what do they always say? Um, don't eat anything your grandmother wouldn't recognize or your great grandmother would. It's like, you know, don't exercise on something that your great grandmother wouldn't know how to operate or do. Like they knew uh. how to lift heavy things and they knew how to walk. Like, <laughs> I like it. Do that kind of stuff. <laughs> Anything inverted or, you know, nonsensy, it just, it, it's not going to help you. And I think a lot of times for women in particular, what worked for you in your 20s and 30s isn't necessarily going to work for you in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and thereafter, right? And as you said, unfortunately, natural aging progression, we lose muscle mass. So we just, it's that sarcopenia. You're going to lose it no matter what you do. And it just, you know, but you can prevent it from going. You can maintain it and hopefully build it. You can, you can fight against that natural decline. And so it's really important for women to do functional movement, right? The sitting up, getting up from a chair, getting down from a chair, getting up from the floor, um, lifting something heavy and moving it somewhere else. All of these things you can do with weightlifting or just around your house, just be more active around your house. And there was a, an article recently, a research published just recently, and I love to send it around to people and I say, actually, improve glucose control with 10 minutes of intense exercise three times a day versus the 30 minutes, right? Yes. So that always gets me over the argument of, I don't have time. I'm like, yes, everyone is 10 minutes. You're scrolling through Instagram for 10 minutes. I know you are. You're online shopping for 10 minutes. I know you are. So change that, lift something heavy, walk around, do something good for your body. Yes. Even just picking up some weights or something heavy, some jugs of water or whatever, and just walk up and down your hallway and get your central nervous system stoked and do, they're called farmer carries. Just my, I'm married to a farmer. He's so strong. He's so crazy strong. And for such a skinny Rayleigh guy, the man can generate a lot of power and force. And that's like old man farm strength. And it's, then there's me, I'm sitting at my computer all day doing my work. And then I'm in the gym a couple times a week and I have to offset it. I'm, I'm such a spaz though. Like I have such severe ADD, which got a million times worse with 
aging, you know, like just that, like, just that little skip into that was the other part. Usually it's a superpower for me and I've learned how to harness it, but then came perimenopause and it was not so fun. So for me, it's critical. I have to get up and do something. It resets my brain. And my, it's funny, my assistants will laugh because they'll say, well, what are we going to do about this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to go deadlift and I'll come back and answer you. (laughs) I can't, or I got to go for a walk first. Like I can't process a decision until I go exercise. I'll go, I do my hardest tasks after a workout or after movement because that's when I know my brain will be sharpest. So it's so, so critical. And I it all comes back to that metabolic health, right? It's getting your blood sugars in balance. It's getting things working and your cells are uptaking correctly and everything's harmonizing versus fighting against the, the current. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we see... So when you look at the actual CGM data, which um, to, just to go back to that question, you know, we'll see in that zone two steady state cardio, you know, yeah, your glucose might shift down. It might trend down. What we see in that anaerobic, really intense, you know, lifting workouts is actually a glucose spike, right? We'll see because the body doesn't necessarily have enough to fuel it. But later on in the day, for the rest of the day, you will see your glucose decline. And we know that over time, again, you say, you know, what can women see in three months? If you are doing a consistent strength training workout, we will see better glucose control because you have more muscle and muscle is storage space for glucose, right? And so I think that's a huge metabolic gain for women is if you can continue to maintain and or build lean muscle mass, you will have better glucose control going into perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. Amen. Muscle is the glucose mop and it it holds it and then it distributes it as needed instead of it just being this roller coaster ride all the time with so many women would come into my clinic in horrific pain, eating tiny amounts of protein, doing tons of cardio because we were all 80s cardio bunnies. Like we all got, the 80s were, the 80s and 90s. I was talking to my husband yesterday. I'm like, what a freaking scam. We got scammed on fake fats. We got scammed on fake sugars. We got scammed on massive amounts of vaccines that weren't necessarily like, let's get, let's eradicate all the diseases you actually need. Like I found out yesterday that you actually, folks who had mumps and measles have lower cardiovascular disease. You know, like maybe we needed to have our immune systems work a little and we just got scammed out of all this stuff. And here we are. I got my tonsils and adenoids taken out when I was five because I was having chronic ear and sinus infections as a little kid because they had me on antibiotics the entire time. Like from the time I came out the shoot until I was five years old, it was like nothing but. I had no microbiome. So it's all just a scam, right? And I think people are starting to wake up to the scam a little bit with the past few years, but we got had as a species, especially in this country. And a huge component of that was this exercise nonsense that like you must exhaust yourself into a puddle of sweat and make a sweat angel on the floor for it to be effective. And I'm like, no, you just need to get a dewy little glow on every day. You might even do that with your sauna but or a nice brisk walk. Get outside, be a mammal. We're just mammals with opposable thumbs. We are literally meant, if you look at our biomechanics, we are literally a lever and pulley system. We are designed to pick heavy shit up and put it down. <laughs> and pull and push and, you know, climb some things. Like you, I even read an article the other day, your shoulder girdle doesn't even develop correctly if you don't hang and swing because we're just fancy monkeys. So, you know, it's crazy. And then like we've, ah, we've just like humanized everything and it drives me nuts because at the end of the day, if your blood sugar is all jacked up, you don't have any muscle mass, how are you going to expect to age well? But these gals would be like, oh, I still fit in the jeans I fit in in high school. And I'm like, yeah, because you're just bone and fat. 
Like you got nothing. You're going to break a hip when you're 60. Going right back to your, you know, osteopenia, osteoarthritis, all of that kind of stuff. That all happens when you aren't taking care of yourself and building that protein and building that, you know, building that muscle and building um, the bone. Because again, we know that estrogen is related to building bone, right? That decline in estrogen means inflammation in your brain, inflammation, you know, all over and less bone density and women are falling and they don't have the muscle to catch themselves from a fall. It, it, it all totally adds up. And from the 80s, I totally remember the squeezable margarine that my parents <laughs> thought was so helpful. And I was like, oh, now that I think about it, there was nothing natural in that. Disaster. Just an absolute disaster. Like, I can't believe it's not butter and Crisco. And like, what a scam. It just was all such a scam. And I... And we, you know, we just like in the last few years, anyone who spoke up about like common sense was vilified. Same back then. If people continued to eat butter and salt, you know, it's just like the fact that they took everybody off of salt. This, this is the biggest scam. And I'm just going to say, I know you know this, but I got to say this one out loud because I don't know if I've ever said it like this. The biggest scam was taking salt out of people's diets. I've been a fan of salt forever. And I knew, I knew at a young, like eighth grade, I'm like, no, dude, cutting salt's not a good idea because I knew how the sodium potassium pump worked because I understood basic biology. I was like, this is not a good idea. And I knew that staying out of the sun was a total scam too. But you take the salt away. This is what they did. They took the salt away. They introduced all these high omega-6 inflammatory seed oils. And folks, metabolic health went completely bonkers. Everybody's insulin resistant. And when you put high sodium into a body that's insulin resistant, and that insulin is cranking, you are going to get an increase in blood pressure, right? Yeah, we talk, we talk about that, you know, that U-shaped curve. And I think it's really of, of the you know, sodium intake um, and that people were really so worried about salt for so long, but it really is, it's that it's that U-shaped curve. And there, there is that sweet spot in the middle, not low, not super low, not, you know, but again, not super high either. It's it's finding that that in the middle. And actually I have a colleague that posted, I think yesterday, um, an interesting study from insulinresistance.org uh, from the Journal of Insulin Resistance, um, a meta-analysis, 23 clinical trials that showed low salt diets, um, you know, negative harms on insulin or glucose. So, you know, it's it's just interesting. There's new research coming out all the time. I think that's one of the most exciting things about what both of us do is that what we thought or what we learned whenever it was that we were in school, they are doing new studies, they're doing new research now to help provide better information, right? But it's like recent studies are showing what common sense has known for decades. <laughs> like just ask your grandparents or the Amish or anybody who's still living close to nature in a natural state. Like this is not rocket science. <laughs> you put salt out for the deer in the winter so they don't die, you know, and we, we, I just, it's such a scam. So if your insulin's all jacked up folks, which most people's are, unfortunately, you're going to have not a great response to salt, but it's not salt's fault. It's sugar's fault. It's, and it's not even necessarily sugar's that's the other thing. People think I'm so anti-sugar. I'm not. I use fruit juice. I use citrus juice as like a little spark, like a little sunshine spark, you know, but my cells know how to take it up because I have adequate muscle mass and I'm not overloading myself on a bunch of high fructose corn syrup and refined sugar throughout the day. I'm using fruit and sugar as a tool versus like as an addiction, you know? So can we talk about that? Because I think a lot of folks, a lot of women, as they go into menopause, 
their adrenals get hit really hard, right? Like they were already adrenally compromised and now things are getting worse. And your adrenals are really important for some of these sex hormones as well. So like going into menopause, perimenopause with crashed out adrenals and crashed out thyroid is like a disaster waiting to happen. And then what do they crave? They crave sugar and salt. And so then they get into this like sugar binging addiction pattern and... Of course, I tell them to cut that back and they think I mean no sugar, but I don't. I think that uh, there's a sweet spot. Are you seeing that on the data that you're looking at, on the CGM data? Like some folks can handle it, some folks can't. Like, let's talk about that. Yeah, totally. So, you know, we have our common culprits, our, our common spikes that people are always like, oh my gosh, oatmeal. Oh my gosh, sushi. These are these things that people think that are they do have health benefits to them, but I think people have put them on a pedestal. I'm doing my, my, doing such a great job having my oatmeal in the morning, but it's actually causing a massive spike and then a crash. And then you're having a donut afterwards because you don't feel great. Um, you know, same with sushi. You know, I'm going out for this healthy dinner, but actually you're going to feel really awful two to three hours later. So, um, we are seeing that in, in certain foods. And then also, you know, it's not just, we're not just trying to take things away from people. We're trying to say, okay, if you really like beef noodle soup, if you like pho, like let's figure out a way for you to have that in the best way possible. Let's give you some protein first. Let's make sure that you take a walk afterwards. Maybe you don't have as much as you always do. There are lots of ways. Maybe you try another hack like apple cider vinegar before you have it. There's lots of different ways for you to still have the foods, healthy foods that are good for you and that provide comfort for you in a way that don't make you feel like garbage afterwards. So of course, we don't want everyone having five glasses of wine every night. No one's going to feel great after that. And your glucose <laughs> is going to show it, right? Um, but when it comes to healthy starches, things like that, there's a place in the diet for them and there's a way to eat them in a way that's going to make you feel great. Yeah. Yeah. And so a little fruit juice along with the other foods I'm eating, like I start, my breakfast is ground beef and eggs with some cheese. Like that's, if I do anything else, I'm a hot mess the rest of the day. So it's just the boring old, we put some sour cream on it. (laughs) You know, but then I need, I'm like, I need some glucose. I need some sugar. I need a little something to spark my brain. So I'll have some fruit or I'll have a little. And when I say I have some OJ or grapefruit juice, I'm talking like a shot glass. I have a a swig. I'm not drinking an eight ounce or 16. I mean, I go, my daughter orders orange juice the other day at a restaurant and they gave her a pint glass full of orange juice. And I was like, oh honey, you're not going to feel good later. You know, that's, that's what we're talking about here is we can use the foods that are healthy and nutritious for us in ways that are beneficial to sort of support. If you're, if you're, uh, metabolic health is sound and your engines are revving, so to speak, and your cells are uptaking correctly and your mitochondria are turned on and doing their job, like you can have these foods without it being a total disaster. Muscle helps that. It's kind of the secret edge. That's what I always, I'm like, I can eat carbs because I got muscle. (laughs) And I'm not so concerned with a little bit of fat as I age because I think that's a little therapeutic too. Like that's our little estrogen and progesterone depot is our little belly, you know? So I'm okay with all that. But Folks need to, I guess what I'm trying to explain here is nuance. And I think, listen, everyone is different, right? So for you, your lifestyle, the things that you enjoy are, is, is the, you know, a noodle soup and, and some fruit juice. Like that's great. Some people are like, I really, you know, I really want to have, you know, pasta is really meaningful to me or something. I need to make sure I, you know, how can I have this in my life and not feel deprived, right? So I think for women, so much of food is emotion, right? And so much of it is either being 
fed, you know, by your own mother is, you know, feeding your family or, you know, wherever you are in your life. Um, there's a lot of emotion with, uh, with food. And a lot of women are, like I said before, very stressed out. And so what do they turn to? A lot of times, you know, they turn, they turn to food for comfort. And so not necessarily are we trying to take things away from people, but it's about how do we optimize those things that spark you, that make you feel good? And how do we make that work for you? So that, you know, what, what I like to enjoy is not necessarily what you like to enjoy or you know maybe your listeners but we want to make sure that we're meeting people where they're what what do they have access to what do they want to eat what can they grab on their way into the office in the morning what can they pack for a lunch or pick up at starbucks that's going to work for them yeah that's a really good point i know i'm pretty hardcore about stuff <laughs> I, I i am but i mean i was taking care of patients that were so so sick or in such horrific chronic pain and sometimes for some folks it is a a matter of meeting them where they're at and some folks are just in such a terrible plight that we got to you know bring in the emergency medicine so to speak and so again it does it is different and and when folks ask me online well what about this and what about this and i'm like i don't know show me your cgm show me your labs like that's it that's the determining factor i have no idea i know some people who could look at a prune and lick it and their insulin's going to go insane and i know other people that can live off sugar and they're fine so it really you know for me like i do love pasta i'm going to eat pasta after a heavy deadlifting session I'm going to earn my carbs. That's a big part for me. And some people take offense to that and say, you shouldn't have to earn anything. And I'm like, I have to earn my carbs. I come from a long line of round diabetics. Everybody in my family is round and diabetic. <laughs> so that's what I'm fighting against, right? And it it truly is. Like at this age, it's a concerted effort fight. Like I am fighting sarcopenia and muscle wasting. I'm fighting autoimmune disease that's def- definitely trying to keep up with me, you know? And so- some of these things really are non-negotiable. It's, it's hard to uh, take emotion out of it, but sometimes we have to just look at it objectively and be like, dude, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're headlong into diabetes or you're into it already. And they're on the blood pressure medications and they're on all this medication. Like diabetes is really profitable for big pharma, right? Like doesn't kill you fast and it leads to all these other health issues that they have medications for. So these folks are on all these medications treating symptoms when the root cause truly is their metabolic health is busted. And that's where it starts. And so sometimes it's the hard conversation of like, I'll take a, I had a a Mexican patient. She loved tortillas. Corn was a huge part of her culture and her food and what she grew up with. But like every time she ate corn, her CGM was a disaster. And so it's like, well, we got to take the corn away or we got to figure out how to make the corn not so devastating. And so that's the hard part is just kind of come into, it's like the come to Jesus realization of here's where I'm at. And that's why I like the CGM because it kind of tells you honestly, like, here's where you're at. What do you, now you get to choose what you're going to do about it. I mean, we, we do have some people that choose not to log what they had the night before. And we do have people that choose not to scan if they, uh, they, they, they know they're going <laughs> to skip the data. So we don't see it, but, um, but no, if, if you're, if you're willing to be honest with yourself, if you're willing to be in a state of change, uh, or at least be open to hearing different ideas, I think the CGM can be a really powerful tool and the dietitian can be a really helpful 
motivator, supporter, someone that can offer you insights that we can't just necessarily find on our on our own, right? It, no, we have tons of nurses, we have tons of doctors, medical uh, professionals that are using our CGM and they're like, oh, I didn't know this, you know? So even, even people that are you know, dealing with insulin or whatever it is all day long in the hospital se- setting, um, looking at fasting glucose all day long in the hospital setting, you can still take notice of your own. I mean, I had a, I had a doctor who every time he would go into the hospital, his glucose would rise rise, rise, stay, 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 stay. And then he would, you know, get off, off his shift and, and it would, you know, go back down. We have a lot of night shift workers, um, you know, women that are uh, working overnight and their glucose because of their circadian rhythm is really, really messed up because of it. And so we have to work on ways for them to optimize. Obviously you can't change your job. So let's find ways to optimize what your intake is, how much you're moving around during your shift, we're looking at snacks, things like that, because the body fights against it. The body says this, this isn't right. You know, I, I should be resting right now, not working. So we, we have to, we have to help people really make those healthy choices, no matter where they are. Yeah. You're an advocate, which is so important. So let's just talk about stress really quick before we close. Cause this is a huge one, right? This is every, like you just said it, the doctor walks into the hospital blood sugars elevated. He goes home. So what is that? What's happening on a physiologic level? Yeah, it's that cortisol, like you said, right? So the body is in that, you know, heightened awareness, fight or flight, whatever you want to call it. And it's saying, let's get ready. It's that old school innate thing in us. I got to fight off a tiger, whatever it is. So it pumps out a bunch, the body pumps out a bunch of glucose to get ready. But guess what? You're not going anywhere. You're just having a stressful phone call or, you know, you're just kind of sitting and stressing out about various reports that you have to write up at your computer. So um, our lifestyle doesn't necessarily match uh, what's happening inside of our bodies. So absolutely, we see it in, in the short term. We can see the short term spike of a uh, due to cortisol. And that can be, you know, I had a fight with a with my partner or something like that, and the glucose goes up and crashes back down. Um, or it can be that constant elevated baseline layer of glucose that we're seeing over and over again. And it's the chronic one that you know uh, is going to cause the most damage. Um, we can work on stress reduction techniques, meditation, breath work, being outside in nature, but it's about finding what's going to work best for you and your body. What do you see in folks who are under chronic stress, is their blood sugar just dysregulated in general, no matter what they try? Not, not necessarily. Again, I think it depends on, you know, what are they eating in addition, you know, what, what other levers are they pulling at that time? Um, for women, I tend to see women, they have much higher levels in the morning. I, at least in the, the data that I've seen a lot, it's that waking up, it's that natural kind of dawn phenomenon, rush of hormones, but then they stay elevated. Uh, they're, they're running around, they're, they're at work, they're trying to get their family ready, whatever's going on. I had a member who would meditate. We worked on just meditation and quietness just for 10 minutes in the morning. And it, it, it was really amazing to see what 10 minutes of just like quiet centeredness, whatever you want to call that, did for her. And it set her off on a much better path for the day. So there's that, but there's just, I see people go outside and they stand in, stand in their yard for 10 minutes after lunch and everything looks a little bit lower. Everything calms down a little bit more. It's it's incredible what small things can do for you. Oh, I love that. That's that's so perfect because as you know, when folks are on this health journey, sometimes they get 
especially as they're learning of like all the scams I said, they're kind of learning about it and they get a bit fervent and they get a bit orthorexic and they get a bit crazy about it, right? And it causes a tremendous amount of anxiety. And then they'll send me messages and they'll be, be like, but you said this here and you said that there and you said this there. And I'm like, it's nuanced. It depends. <laughs> this is not, none of these are hard stops, right? This is like, we don't want to make ourselves crazy trying to attain perfect health. And so it can really, I think, add to that and contribute to that cortisol and glucose spikes because of the anxiety they're driving, trying to get healthy. And I think what I hear you saying is like, we got to just figure out what your life is and then work with that within the confines of what we're dealing with and make the best use of it for the individual without adding stress. And then these small little maybe exercise, moments of exercise, I call them like micro-exercise breaks. They're like little exercise snacks or stress reduction snacks, you know, like just a few, I'll, I'll just jump on my Peloton. I hate Peloton. I, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I think the Peloton phenomenon like is not helping. It's just driving that stress response. But I do love just sort of like, reading my book, I go so slow that I can read a book. And so I'll just be like, I'm going to go read 10 pages of a book while I sort of, you know, just sort of dink around on my bike for a minute. But it does, it brings that, ah, nice calm feeling. And so just finding ways that, because we all live in this world and this world's crazy. So we got to find our, our, our moments. It's my husband um, commutes into work and then he had a decent walk from uh, the train to his office. And he always said those were like the best 15 minutes of his day, right? And he had very stressful, lot going on. And when he, he knew it was built in, he literally couldn't get to his office unless he walked. And so he he had to do it, rain, snow, wind, whatever. Uh, and he said it was the best thing. And honestly, it kept him healthier because of it. Um, you know, and I, I live near a hospital and I'll see nurses and doctors walking the block around the hospital. And I was like, that's who I want working on me. If I, if I show up in the, in the ER, I want that nurse that's, that's taking the, the, the mental break, uh, who's going to feel better, uh, when she comes back in. So I think, you know, none of these cost any money. It just is a matter of building it into your lifestyle. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Just prioritizing it. And I think the CGM helps you see it probably pretty clearly. I wish we had a CGM on your husband during the commute, then the walk. I bet it was very different. He won't wear one. (laughs) My husband won't either. He's like, I'm not putting anything on that tracks me. You guys are crazy. He like leaves his phone as often as he can. I'm like, why didn't you answer me? He's like, I don't need that thing tracking me. He doesn't, he thinks the the ring on my, you know, all of this. He's like, he's not having it. He's an old school farmer. So I I, I applaud them. Uh, my husband's just afraid of the needle, but I'm like, it doesn't hurt. He's seen me put it on so many times. Um, oh, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't not hurt. Even a, you don't even know. It, it, it's so fast. It doesn't, you don't even feel it. It's, it, it's, it's pretty easy. I said, you don't even have to look, close your eyes. I'll do it behind you. But anyways, well, well I'll share this with you because I, my entire career was sticking needles in people. That is what I did. I did regenerative injection therapies for over a decade and I did a lot of them and I taught a, hundreds of doctors how to do it. And here's the thing. Your epidermis is where all your pain receptors are. That's the top layer of your skin, basically. And if you go fast through it, you can't feel anything. And so the technique when I would teach doctors how to inject was pluck. You pluck through the top layer of the skin. You've now bypassed all the pain receptors so you can proceed with the needle almost as deep as you want until you get to another layer where there's nerves. But until then, you feel nothing. And the CGM, the way that it's applied with that little mechanism, it's so fast that it plucks right through the skin. That's why it doesn't hurt. 
It's not a slow, like when someone sticks you slowly with a needle, it hurts a lot. (laughs) So you can tell your clients that too, because it's the quick pluck. That's the beauty of it. You can't even, you just go right through the pain receptors without, with nothing. I'd be so curious with your old patients, what their glucose looked like before and after the neurogenerative things that you were giving to them. Were they feeling less pain, less inflammation? What was the, what was the outcome? Well, the procedure itself could be quite uncomfortable depending on their overall health. But if their metabolic health was a mess, they would tend to be, of course, more inflamed, which we've already talked about. But what I saw was they would get thickening of their synovial membrane. They'd get a heightened central nervous system response. So everything just hurt more. But I'm fast. So I was so fast with a needle. The key is speed. And you have to be good with speed. Otherwise, you're going to hurt someone. So I was so fast that they'd get done. And most people would say, oh, wait, you're done? Like that was it? And I'd say, yeah. And that's when I knew I had a healthy person in front of me. And generally, those people were well-muscled and had good metabolic health. The people who it really hurt tended to be you're more inflamed, metabolically unsound, maybe obese, you know, people who just really weren't in great health, those people, everything hurt them. So same, I'm a chiropractor as well. So like same thing with musculoskeletal pain, headaches. I mean, anybody who is sickly and inflamed is going to, everything's going to suck more. And so getting your metabolic health under control is step one, 1000%. The fastest way to do that, in my opinion, is through strength training, which I think is another moment of calm. It's meditative, it's intentional, and it's a calming experience for most people. Again, I'm not talking about CrossFit. I'm talking about just lifting, picking things up and putting them down, hopefully under the guidance of someone who can help you so you don't hurt yourself. And then finding these moments of calm, like the walks or the what what have yous, um, really downregulates people's pain in general. So you can't get pain under control unless your metabolic health is under control and you can't know what your metabolic health is not is doing unless you monitor it. So that's why I'm such a fan of the CGM for virtually everything. Like let's just get a picture of what's happening because that's our root cause in my opinion. Yeah. And and sh- share it with your providers, right? Share it with whoever, you know, is is helping you out also, you know. I think it's so important to share this information. You know, it's it's great to work with your dietitian and do this, but then take it and move forward with it. Move the ball down the, you know, down the field. Uh share it with your doctor, show the progress that you're making. Maybe your medications will change or, you know, maybe so- something will change. Share it with your trainer and say, "Listen, this is what's happening when I'm working out. Look at how look at that change from last month to this month." I'm doing so much better. This is incredible. Yes. And it will, you will lower your medications. In fact, so much so that I would warn patients when your metabolic health gets under control, it like for younger women of childbirthing age, I'd have to warn them that their poor health was their birth control. And so their chances of getting pregnant are going to significantly increase as their health improves. And so I would warn them, like as your metabolic health improves, as we address these other issues, you are way more likely to get pregnant. So be careful. And then with women who were on all kinds of hormones, I'd say you're probably going to need way less hormonal support as your metabolic health improves. And then for folks who are on blood pressure medications, et cetera, we always had to lower their medications because they would get dizzy and pass out. Like it's, it happened to my mother-in-law. I finally got her just off of, of refined sugar and moving more. And, uh, 
suddenly she's getting dizzy with her blood pressure meds. So we got to decrease them. So this, these are real warnings. I'm a doctor. I can share this part. Like these are real warnings. As you improve your health and your metabolic health improves, all of the things will get better. So definitely share this information with your doctors. So you're not being over-medicated into a dangerous zone. Okay. Well, this has been so much fun. I so appreciate you coming on. I have a link that I'm going to share in the show notes for folks if they're interested in getting their own CGM from NutriSense and working with you guys. I think that I personally always suggest at least a month, if not three months. Where do you see people getting the most benefit out of their experience as far as timing goes? Yeah. I think for women, listen, if you can only, if you only can, you know, carve out a month. A month is great. Hopefully you get one cycle in there. Um, if you can do three, that's even better. The more data you can collect on your cycles, tracking all of that and just tracking kind of your life, your stress um, and your sleep over the course of three months is so powerful. You can really also see changes in that time frame. So you get a ton of information at first, but sticking with the program really helps you to put things into play and to see the results. So I always advocate for, for more data, more information, and you can really make some changes that will last for the rest of your life. Yes. And I'll add a plug. I have noticed from year to year it changed. So I come back to the CGM and revisit it every so often, just as I would my blood work. I want to see what has shifted because maybe my life has gotten more or less stressful. Maybe my life has gotten more or less something. Maybe I've picked up some bad habits along the way and I need a little bit of a wake-up call. Maybe I'm skimping on my sleep or staying up too late or whatever. And so I think coming back for at least a month here and there is a really, really good idea as well. And and like you said, if you have if you have an, an underlying autoimmune issue or maybe something, again, you've had a bad cold virus, whatever it is, and it's flared something else up, this is a great way to see what's what's really going on inside my body when sometimes I can't control necessarily what's happened to me over the past year or so. So this is a great way to take control again and check back in and see what's happening. Yeah, I'd love to put one of these on everybody with long COVID, see what's happening. I think that would be telling. Well, this is so fascinating. I appreciate you coming on so much. It's always fun to have somebody from NutriSense come on the show. I have such a great conversation with you guys because you guys get it and it's really refreshing. But to have a, you know, a different kind of a different theme each time has been really fun too because perimenopause is no joke, ladies. You got to train for it. Listen to everything we just told you. <laughs> it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be awful. Just take control and feel empowered through it. It's not, it's, it's not a disaster, right? You're going to, you, you can feel better through it. I promise. Absolutely. And as my friends would say, you know, embracing that crone energy, it really is a powerful transition period. And that is a powerful place to step into if you're in full health and full throttle, right? You can really harness your full being, I think, as you approach the 50s and beyond. It's it's a good place to be if your health is coming with you. So, well, thank you, Catherine. You're lovely. I'm so happy to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show and for being a proponent of all good things health. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. This is awesome. This is great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. 
This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Do you suffer from IBS or other digestive issues? Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes the all-new health and nutrition podcast, Digest This, hosted by Bethany Ugardi. You may know Bethany as the face of the popular Instagram page, Lil Sipper, or you may have even read her book. Now you can find her wherever you get your podcasts. On Digest This, Bethany examines topics such as gut health, nutrition, the food industry, and highlights specific ingredients that can be beneficial or harmful to your gut health. She also explores non-toxic options in beauty, home, and cooking essentials. If it has to do with your health, Digest This is talking about it. Each episode features an interview with health experts, doctors, and wellness advocates and delivers you information that is, well, easy to digest. Bethany also delivers a weekly segment every episode called Bite of Knowledge, where she highlights an ingredient commonly used in food, skin care, household cleaning, you name it, and gives you the lowdown on the benefits or dangers that ingredient might have in your everyday life. From Botox, potassium, olive oil, and magnesium, all the way to those ingredients you can barely pronounce on the back of your cereal boxes, Bethany has you covered. There's a reason why it debuted at number two on Apple Podcast Nutrition Charts. Check out Digest This on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.